This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Sunday. It's the 19th of April. Wasn't yesterday glorious? What a beautiful day. Mowed the lawn. Not my lawn. Mowed somebody else's lawn. And uh, sat down at North Weald. Nice cup of tea and a, a toasty ham and cheese. And it was lovely. And then the bikers turned up. We were in a nice quiet part of North Weald Aerodrome. And just as we'd finished... And it was re- really lovely, honestly. It was such a nice day yesterday, and I don't do sunshine, as you know. And, uh, and then all these bikers turned up. as if they'd, I thought perhaps they thought it was South End, and they'd, they'd got a little bit lost. Exhausted, Danny Dyer takes a break. How can he be exhausted? You read a few lines, like, hello, treacle. That's exhaustion, is it? I think he's burning his little candle both ends, ladies and gentlemen. So many stories to get through today. I don't know where to begin. Well, I do, in the fact that I've had very little sleep. And I'll tell you exactly how it happened. This was my nightmare journey. This was the journey that I thought would never end. Because I come back from uh, from Bishop Stortford yesterday. We, we go to Unico, and there's ten of us. OK, ten of us for dinner, so, which is all very nice. We're, you know, enjoying ourselves. The food was delicious. It was, it was just really nice. And I keep looking at my at my watch and it said, I think it was about half past eight, quarter to nine. I thought, if I'm out of here by half past nine, I can be home by half past ten. I get up at three on a Sunday morning. So that gives me a bit more time. So I thought, fine. So anyway, so we, we finish the meal and we all sort of depart. I, I get on the M11 and off I pootle. And I'm sort of bombing down the motorway. Bombing down the motorway so much that as I bombed down the M11, I miss the turning. I'm supposed to come off to the left. And it goes round, and that, that gets me back onto the M25, M3, or whatever it is. Anyway, so I miss it. But luckily, the sign on the road that I'm on says Central London. So I thought, that's OK, Central London. Well, it goes forever. This road goes forever. I'm so tired. And then, of course, to make matters worse, I need to go to the loo. Now, if you're diabetic and uh, you've had a little bit of sugar, it kind of translates into you need to go for a wee. But I'm stuck. I'm on the motorway. And so I'm following the sign. And then the next thing, I see a sign for the Blackwall Tunnel. I'm thinking, where in God's name am I heading? And anyway, to cut a long story short, in half an hour, I'd hit Docklands. OK, so I'm that far. I live West London. I'm now other side. So I'm thinking, oh, no. And so I'm ploughing on. I'm ploughing on. I'm ploughing on. I'm trying to get back through. Go through Docklands. And I thought, I know this route. I've remembered it because when we did the Queen's Theatre in Hornchurch... I was doing it the other way and then came back this way. So I knew roughly where I was. Anyway, there's loads of speed cameras. I'm confronted by minicabs all over the place. All I want to do is go home and go to toilet. But I'd worked out that even if I didn't manage to get as far as home, there were certain places I could stop off where I knew I could have a wee in a bush, you know, and nobody would notice. So I'm ploughing on through and then I get to the East End. I get through Stratford and we hit traffic. Because Stratford is like... It, it's buzzing. There's like everybody out there, people in their cars, beep, 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 hello, beep, beep, hello. Everybody's hello and, and this, and there's kebab shops open. And I'm sitting there thinking, I mean, at one point we never moved for five minutes because the traffic came down to one lane. So I'm, I'm getting really, really frustrated. And I'm thinking, no, be calm. By this time, it's now sort of, it's now pushing 10 o'clock. And I'm not where I thought I should have been. But at least, I mean, at least I've recognised the place. So I'm sort of edging forward, you know, a little bit here, a little bit stop there, let somebody through, person in front wants to let everybody in, because obviously they're feeling in a good mood. I want to kill everybody. 
I have no intention of sort of not getting out of this thing without at least shooting somebody. So we go through and then we're into the city of London. Eventually I get to the city of London and I turn right as opposed to left. I don't know why. And I'm now heading back the way I've just come. So I have to do a swing round in the middle of the road. You can imagine this is getting worse. I end up uh, down by St Paul's Cathedral. So I thought, this, this is great. Don't do, Stephen, do not do the Strand because it'll be chock-a-block with traffic all the way going down. So I do a left. I go over Waterloo Bridge thinking I'll do Waterloo Bridge and then do a quick right. That was the theory. I went over Waterloo Bridge, did a quick right. No, we're diverting the traffic. What? Diverting to where? So as opposed to going along the embankment, I'm now heading back into town again. And I'm getting really, really desperate to go to the toilet. But I'm trying not to think about waterfalls, glasses of water. I'm trying to think whether or not I could actually have a wee in the car without anybody noticing that I was having a wee in the car. And then I'm thinking, into what? So I'm so, so anyway, and then I start following this, this black taxi. And he obviously knows a quick cut through. So zip, 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 we're back on the embankment road. Go there, get to Lambeth Palace. Fantastic. Cross right over the, uh, the river at uh, Mill... Mill whatever they call it, Millbank, and we go down there, and I'm trying not to put my foot down because of speed cameras, but, but now the, the going to the toilet bit's getting a little bit desperate. We're now getting to the stage where I'm, I'm not even trying to think about ice cubes or, or anything at all. I'm just trying to think, where can I go to the toilet? Where can I go? Anyway, so I'm now on the embankment. It's like we're doing really, really well. I'm, I'm now, I've actually got up to 20 miles an hour. And I'm really quite excited. I'm thinking, I'm on, I'm on target. I know where I'm going. I'm going to circumvent Earl's Court. And then I should do a left and we go over and I can get out of town on the, you know, out on the, um, whatever it is, the, uh, the M4, which is brilliant. That's exactly where I want to head. All of a sudden, the traffic stops. I think, oh, God, no, no, no. Traffic lights. Tra- that's OK. I'm over the traffic lights. We get past the Earl's Court Exhibition Centre, which, of course, as you know, is being pulled down. So it's all boarded up. It looks horrendous. But I've got enough to, at least it takes my mind off going to the toilet. I get down to the bottom and I do a left, chuck a left, and I'm now heading out to Hammersmith. And as I get over the first set of lights, I suddenly realise the Hammersmith flyover is closed. The traffic is tailing back about a mile and it's not moving because three lanes come down to one and I'm now stuck. I can't get off this road. And I'm certainly not going anywhere because they divert you. I mean, I wanted to kill everybody working on the Hammersmith flyover. Seriously, why is there nobody working? Why are you doing this at this time of night on a Saturday? Why are you being such pains in the rear end? It's awful. So in the end, I cut up left and nipped round the back by the hospital. And that got me through. And at least I was on the road. And then I did find my little place to pull in. Unfortunately, by this time, it is now 20 past 11. And I'm so tired and I've got to empty the car, I've got plants in the car, loads of other things. And all I'm thinking is, the alarm's going to go off at three in the morning. Oh, God, and I've got to get in. I've got to put some washing in the washing machine and set that off. So that, that I did. Then I had to remember to take my tablets. Then I had to remember, I mean, you think your life is stressful. Then I had to do my injections. So by the time I'd done that, then I had to set the alarm clocks for three in the morning. Otherwise, I'd be waking up at one in the morning. So by the time I climb into bed, it's now midnight. So whatever happens, I've got three hours. I sleep for an hour and wake up thinking, I've got to go to the toilet again. So back to the toilet again, back into bed again. And it seems like literally my head has just touched the pillow and the alarm goes off. And I sit there in front of the television, think, having a shave, thinking, oh, 
goodness me. If I closed my eyes now, that would be that, that blissful bit. You know where sometimes you're, you're out somewhere and you're tired and you think, if somebody wheeled a bed on now with white crisp sheets on it and soft... I, could, I couldn't care less if it was in the middle of the motorway. I'd climb onto this bed and pull the duvet over and just go, gone. And that would suit me fine. But nobody did that. Or failing that, to win, win the lottery and have a chauffeur... My friend Alan could be my chauffeur. He's driven me for years. And he could he could then just sort of say, I'll, I'll drive you home, Steve. And I'd just lie in the back of the car. And I'd just go to sleep because that's all I wanted to do. You know when you're kids, you go off and, and your dad's driving and then you fall asleep in the back of the car. And then when you get there, go, Stephen, we're home. And you go, oh, God, well, just leave me in the car. Leave me in the car. I was happier in the car. So when the alarm went off this morning, all I kept thinking about was I have to check the news before I, I leave just to make sure that nobody's died like Lord Janner or something like that. I'd like to make sure that I was up with it. But I was thinking, actually, on the Lord Janner, and I was listening to Andrew Pierce yesterday on LBC, and he was talking about Lord Janner, and then somebody else put up the case of Ernest Saunders. Ernest Saunders, you remember, got sent to prison, but then developed dementia. And so they let him out of prison after what I thought was a fairly short space of time. And the only reason I thought about it is because Lord Janner Greville Janner, as was, is apparently got too advanced dementia for him to stand trial in court because he wouldn't know. And all I kept thinking was, wait a minute, Ernest Saunders had dementia. Ernest Saunders doesn't have dementia now. Isn't that lucky? I mean, I've never heard of anybody being cured of dementia. And then I thought to myself, in, in a cynical kind of way, because you have to think in a cynical kind of way, you have to think what everybody else would be thinking. Do you think maybe he's not got dementia? Do you think maybe people have just said he's got dementia? And that because when he was throwing the press off his property, he didn't look like he had dementia at all. But, you know, are you ever that ill that you can't stand trial? You know, if you were in America and you'd committed multiple murders and you got the death penalty, if, if you got dementia, would they not, would they not execute you? I couldn't quite work it out, but I just kept thinking back to the Ernest Saunders. It was the Guinness thing, I'm pretty certain. And he had dementia, and then so they let him out of prison. And then magically, he's all right. He doesn't have dementia anymore. They did the same with Ronnie Biggs. Do you remember Ronnie Biggs' son went on the television programmes? My father's literally got hours left to live. The old rogue lived for ages after that. Frankly, I'd have poisoned his food, got rid of him quicker. He was a burden on society. He was never a useful member of society at all. So, so the more I thought about Ernest Saunders, the more I thought about Greville Janner, and the more I kept thinking, and, and one of the papers has suggested this morning, you know, is this a, is this a giant cover-up that we're not aware of? Are there really, are there really forces in this country that can, that can hush up paedophilia? The reason they've said... Uh, is that they say that if they prosecuted him, he could have been the tip, could have been the tip, of a huge, huge Westminster paedophile network. I mean, it's it, it almost, it's, it, it's like a book, isn't it? It's like an Ian Fleming book. You couldn't make it up. The papers, though, have some other stories which we don't need to make up because we know for a fact that they're true and they involve some of our favourite celebrities. Yep, all this morning for your further listening pleasure on LBC. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every 19 minutes past six. It's Sunday morning. A blessed Sunday morning. I'll tell you one thing, though, I noticed yesterday is I'll get cold of an evening. In fact, this morning, uh, because I had sort of a lightweight jacket on yesterday and a, and a light shirt, or as my friend Chris called it, a blouse, 
which wasn't, of course, it was a lightweight shirt, and I had to explain to him that it wasn't, it wasn't from Per Uno, it was, in fact, from the butch bit of Marks and Spencer's. And, uh, and then this morning I thought, I better put my, my big coat on again now, because it's actually quite cold out there. But when I finish, after we've done a walk, I'm then, I'm going back to bed, I think. I think I need a couple of hours sleep. Uh, Steve, you need to carry one of those bottles in the car and a modesty blanket, says me. My brother does it. Yeah, but not while you're driving the car. That's the problem. If I was just a passenger, there wouldn't be a problem with this. But driving the car is slightly more of a problem, I think. Slightly more of a problem. Anyway, um, shall we delve into the paper? Shall we see what glorious, glorious stories they have for you today? Because I'm quite sure today's going to turn out to be a nice day for you. I'm, I'm quite sure today is going to be an exciting day. That's what I think anyway. Especially after they had dropped a hint, hadn't they, that after his little stint with Susanna Reid on the television, Piers Morgan's beginning his own chat show, they say, you know, because he had it in America. He was dropped in America. They, they, it just didn't work in America. You know, it was, it was a lame show. He's only a former editor of The Mirror. That's all he is. You know, he's a little bit sort of... Uh, I don't know. I don't know what you can describe Piers as. He loves the celebrity side of it. He absolutely revels in it. His column reeks of celebrity all the way through. He absolutely worships at the altar of celebrity. He loves that kind of thing. So they're going to give him a chat show like we need another chat show. That's the one thing we don't need is another chat show. I mean, I don't know what we need on the television. But this way, I don't think we need another cookery programme. We don't need another antiques programme. We don't need any other programmes with Claire Balding on. I don't want to see anything else with Pip Schofield on. And I'm not really interested in properties under the hammer or properties into the sun or properties in other buildings. And I don't want to see in the papers any more pictures of Prince Harry holding children. I've had quite enough of it. Every time they go somewhere, here's, here's Prince Harry holding some little black children from an orphanage. Now he's in Australia. They managed to find some other children for him. So there he is, geeky prince of all geeky princes. How a drink of me, I'm a Nazi. You know, as he dressed up, and we've, we've seen the buffoonery of him. Now they're obviously trying to do damage limitations, and so now they stick him holding kids everywhere he goes. So he's now got three. In this particular, he's holding one kid, and the other two are sort of gazing strangely into the distance, like somebody's given them something to go, just look strangely into the distance, kids. And that's it. I mean, it's all very bizarre. It's all very odd, isn't it? Mind you, the, the, the funny thing is about the... Um, oh, I'll tell you what I had the other day. I had an Oreo biscuit. I've never had an Oreo biscuit before. First time, look at that, get to 40 years old and you end up having an Oreo biscuit. I quite liked it, actually. It was a bit like a custard cream, but with a slightly darker colour. Uh, the items taken in the raid. You know the raid on the Hatton Diamond Box Company? Strange story. Couldn't quite work it out at all. This is where, where the police made so many errors. It's almost become like an embarrassment. The, the, the security guard didn't really want to be a security guard. Whereas we have one in Marks and Spencers in Twickenham. He's supposed to be there to stop people shoplifting. This one rearranges the shelves and sings to lettuce. That's how bad it is. He's, I mean, at one point, he's even got his back into the shop. He's, 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 he's looking into the shelves. He's not even bothered about shoplifters. Easiest place to shoplift in Twickenham. Seriously. I mean, I've never known such an incompetent security guard in my entire life. He doesn't look as though he could run far anyway. He smokes, he sings, and he rearranges food on the shelf. Perhaps he's forgotten why he's there. Ridiculous, honestly. Uh, so, uh, there's quite a number of stories about kids. In fact, the, uh, the people today are talking about the sex abuse father who's not jailed because of his illness. Sisters have come forward to say that they were denied justice because of his dementia. And then, on the front of the Sunday Mirror today, uh, mum locks kids in bedroom every night so she can live with a child abuser, and social workers say it's OK. 
How many times have we had social workers saying things like that? How many times, ladies and gentlemen? Loads. It's almost become as dreary as Michelle Keegan. I'm really excited about our wedding. Really, I'm as bored witless, darling. I'm so bored witless with you droning on about your boring wedding. Like you're the only person ever to get married. You know, come back to us in 35, 40 years' time when you're still together, OK? Then we'll deal with it. It's like, you know, it's, is there nothing this boring woman can talk about apart from that blooming wedding? I'm so excited about the wedding. I'd be more excited if you said, I really don't want to get married. That'd be more, far more exciting, I think. And then also Frankie Bridge. This was Frankie Sanford, as was, on how she can't wait to find out if she's having a boy or a girl. This is a three-page interview. On, on how she can't wait to find out she's having a boy or a girl. Small wonder you laugh in the face of these buffoons. These people who sort of... Perhaps, perhaps, she's, perhaps she's not all there upstairs. Perhaps she's not... Who on earth do you think's interested whether you're having a boy or a girl? Why would that be of any interest to anybody? You know, and it's, it's, it's just... Oh, God, honestly, you lose the world to live on a Sunday. But we do like Sunday. We do like it. Kelly, Kelly Brook is, um, is drone... Sorry, is talking about her life... And her boyfriend, you know, like Kelly Brook, deals with that all the time. And apparently she's over Tornado. Thank God for that, actually. Thank God for that. That, that was a five-minute one, was it? What, is she working her way through Hollywood? I mean, is she, is she sort of slowly ticking off people in the telephone directory? But anyway, she's dropped two dress sizes. Whoa! That's good. Very good there. She's 35 now. You're getting a bit old to be doing this, aren't you, darling? 35? You know, especially when you don't actually have a career. Your, your career appears to be... Walking out of a Hollywood gym and somebody taking a picture of you. And that appears to be it. Is that really a career nowadays? I don't know. Oh, there's something nice. There's something warming about a nice cup of, of coffee in the morning. I was, going to, I was going to say I brought my own coffee, but I didn't. It's not arrived yet, even though they promised next day delivery. Instead, I got two candles, which smell of caramel, but one of them is smashed to pieces again. It's quite a big candle. And in fact, the worst thing is, they must have known it was smashed when they packed it in the box. The reason is that the huge piece of glass that's missing is not in the box or the packaging. So they must have put it in there broken, which really annoys me. So I shan't be using that company ever again. I do like Emmerdale. Big, big fan of Emmerdale. I love Emmerdale. I think it's, it's, it's you know, sometimes some of the storylines are a little bit weak. But what they're going to do is they're going to kill off some of the favourites uh, in a shock ratings buster. Uh, so secret is this... Uh, killing off storyline. Even the dingles are dangling. Last night, the uh, nervous cars were left speculating, at, speculating about a massive car smash. I mean, there could be anybody. You could lose half the dingles, and I don't think anybody would be particularly bothered about it. Um, who else could you get rid of in there? I don't know. The, the, one, what, the woman's going to leave who played... Is it Betty Eggleton? I cut this out of the, uh, the Saturday paper. Betty Eggleton's going to leave. And she's been in it for ages... And her name is Paula Tilbrook, but you wouldn't know her as Paula Tilbrook. You know her as the character. And I thought, I mean, she's 85. She first appeared in 1994. To be honest with you, she can't remember her lines. She's become a little bit forgetful about things. But she said, nice to finish on a high. So good for her. She's been there and, uh, and she's done it. Uh, Jeremy Clarkson, he did make me laugh, actually. I like, I like somebody who sort of speaks their mind. And he says, for many years, the Oxford and Cambridge boat race crews have bored the nation half to death for half an hour while they stage a slow motion race up the River Thames. Now they've come up with a new way of making the spectacular last even longer, because now there's a race for girlies, too. The BBC called it an historical moment, at least, writes Jeremy Clarkson. I think that's what they said. At the time, I was a tiny bit asleep. 
I agree with you, honestly. And, of course, it was hosted by Claire Balding. Much as though we love Claire Balding. Give it a rest on the programmes, please. Here's the publicity, Shy Beckhams. So now all the, the boys, the butch boys, have to go out to girly fashion shows, which is hilarious. And uh, Brooklyn, they're obviously trying to... Pa- Isn't it funny, at one time, you, know, you must take any picture of the children. Now, the kids go out with their own photographers, so they, they dress them all up. Like, sort of, it's, it's rather a peculiar family. Harper appears not to be able to sit anywhere by herself, so Daddy's got to hold her, and yet she looks like a fairly hefty child to be holding on to. I mean that in a caring way. I mean, I know children are, are prone to being a little bit podgy, ladies and gentlemen. God knows she's up there with them. And I was thinking to myself, you know, so they all have to sit there watching fashion shows. It's, uh, it's, it's really... Apparently, Brooklyn regularly borrows clothes from his dad. Was he? How bizarre is that? And um, he's also got hand-me-down watches and everything else. And loads of people were there. Victoria's pal, Kate Beckinsale. There must be a new one. So, sometimes you don't know who, who Victoria's pals are. But, uh, but they've got the family and they just go out there. And Davey's still got his, his little beard going on and his tattoos. And you know what we think of beard and tattoos, don't you? But anyway, Brooklyn dyed his hair blonde recently. And it looked, looked awesome. They're rather, rather peculiar fact. They are obsessed with, with publicity. I don't think they go anywhere without, without photographers. And they have to take pictures of themselves and they have, to, they have to feature and everything. It is a little bit odd because there's another picture of them. So if it's not Daddy holding uh, baby Harper 7, which sounds like a cheap beer can, it's Brooklyn holding her. I mean, can she, she's got legs, hasn't she? I mean, I don't want to be rude about it. She can walk. She's not on casters or something. I just wondered whether or not you could stick her on roller skates and just push her around the streets. Because every time you see her... She's being held by one of them. And it's always for a publicity shot. Dave just sort of looks... This looks like Dave, and Victoria looks like she's elsewhere, I'm afraid. But anyway, the reason they're pictured in one of the papers is because they went to a fashion do. But then the next day, they go off to look at Madonna's mansion. They could be about to buy it for £18 million. Wow, that's really exciting, isn't it? This this is to rub into you that you're a peasant and they've got loads and loads of money. They fell in love with the nine-bedroom pad after viewing it on Wednesday afternoon. They were only in there 30 minutes. You fell fall in love in 30 minutes. Well, probably figures, isn't it, really? And so they all went, Harper, uh, Romeo and uh, Dave and Vic. They both went. She's, she's older than, than Dave, if you've probably noticed that. But they say they're worth around 200 million. A source said the place is so magnificent it doesn't need a hard sell. It was a very relaxed viewing. That's what they say. That's what they say in America. It was a very relaxed viewing. In other words, they didn't go in there and go, ah! They go in there and they just have a relaxing time. Would you like a, like a cup of tea? Thank you. Would you like a biscuit? This is a bathroom. Are you familiar with bathrooms? We have bathrooms over here in America. This is a sitting room. This is a garage. You can get three cars in the garage. Okay, it's very nice indeed. And, and your name is? Victoria. Oh, right. And your name is Dave. OK, and you'll be coming round with... Uh, these, these are some of your children, are they? How many do you have? Lots. Thank you. Well, I think you'll like the house. It's got, uh, I think, six bedroom suites, uh, two living rooms. Nor- this is all normal in American homes, by the way, in this, even under this, this price bracket. Um, there is... Oh, the good news is... The good news is um, it's got 15 bathrooms. The Americans are obsessed with bathrooms. 15 bathrooms. It's got a full-size theatre. That'll mean a room with some chairs in so you can watch television. And enough space for assistance. Two living rooms and, uh, and a large kitchen, a dining room. It's also got a swimming pool, a gym and a tennis court. Designed to avoid background glare from the California sun. Because, like, you see a lot of Victoria and Dave playing tennis, don't you? No, I didn't think so either. It's half Steve Allen on LBC.
Morning, everybody. Nice to be company for Sunday morning. It's the 19th of April. Don't forget, you can hear a repeat of In Conversation with the lovely Kate Humble. You notice I hardly got a word in on that interview. Very rare for me. So when I did get in, I was speaking very quickly. And uh, the fabulous Sean Hughes, both this evening at nine o'clock on LBC. Uh, Gabe, we're here for breakfast at eight o'clock this morning. I'm here until then. And at uh, ten o'clock this morning, it's, um, oh yes, it's Katie Hopkins. I thought you'd have a bit of fun with that one. I'm quite sure you'll be desperate to pick up the telephone and call her. I've just got a just got a bit of a feeling about that one. I think you're going to be talking to her about lots of things, and I'm sure she'll welcome your calls to LBC. Uh, inside the sun today, it's the dreary old baggage from the Only Wears Essex, Sam Fa-ears, or whatever her name is, uh, on her little book, which she's selling. How old is she? 12? 13? No, apparently. she's uh, Well, she's laughingly called a model. I mean, she's not really a model. She's only a model because she's been on The Only Way is Essex. And they go, uh, we're, we're going to pretend that you're a model. Not a particularly good-looking model, but we're going to pretend you're a model anyway. So if you just sort of get your boobs out and a few things like that. OK, you're a model. There you go. How quick was that? And so she, she, she's done a book. And uh, she's talked about Joey Essex. He's a paranoid, scheming little boy who won't grow up. It's funny how bitter people become, isn't it, after the relationship? You know, up until then, she was pouring him all over the place and trying to hang on to him because he was he was marginally more famous than she was. And her star had faded and ebbed and disappeared to the other side of the world. And he was still climbing. Although at the moment, I think he's gone into recess. Or rehab, he's one of the two, I can't remember. And so she was all over him like a rash. And then when it finishes, she says, he was a disgrace, I was wasting my life. Well, I think if you check with him, he'd probably say exactly the same about you. You're a desperado with no talent whatsoever. I think you're both two peas in a pod. And so she's she sent a breakup text to him. To be honest with you, I don't know um, how you managed to get this many words in a text. Because I can't get this many words in a text. And I'll I'll, I'll read it to you, because she obviously saved it. So that she could put it in the book. She's she's that scheming. She's that nasty. She says, hi. Because that's like, you know, as opposed to, hi, Joey. You know, it's obviously doesn't want to use his name. Uh, I know you're not going to call me back any time soon. I'm going to walk away. I'm going away tomorrow to get my head clear. You'd seriously think they've been in relationships for donkey's years, wouldn't you? I'm going away to get my head clear. I love you so much, but I'm not prepared to sit back and watch you ruin your life. You're always up and down. You're paranoid and blame everything on me. I'm a minor thing that you just think you can keep here and pick up and drop whenever you like. She uses the word, the, the letter U, an awful lot. Shows, shows a bit of paranoia, I think. You don't want me... You got back with me when I was ill because you felt sorry for me and yours and Amy's relationship came to an end. I'm deeply heartbroken. I wish you and wish... I love you and wish you all the best. Bye. Love you. She's not all there in the upstairs department, is she, really? I mean, I love you and wish you all the best. Bye. Love you. Just to write it twice in the same sentence, bless her heart. The simpleton, ladies and gentlemen, that is Sam Fahir's. Not only a bitter, but talentless as well. But never mind, dear, I'm sure it'll all work out well for you. We were talking about um, The Only Way's Essex, and we were talking about lots of people on reality shows, because I have a book called So You Want to Be a Celebrity. And the interesting thing that we all... I said, you watch. Two years' time, half the cast of The Only Way's Essex will be declaring themselves bankrupt, because the moment they drop from the television, that's when they disappear from public view. They disappear completely. I had to laugh because I, I think it's in the front pages of The Sun today. And, of course, it's one of my favourite type stories. Apart from that, that little Callum Best, ageing Lothario Callum, off on holiday with a photographer. He's 34. His, uh, his girlfriend, Rose Cochran Stack something, um, 
He hoisted on his shoulders. I mean, to be honest with you, it looks like his hair was about to drop out. Because, you know, he's got this funny hair. I don't know whether it's stuck on or it's out of a bottle. It's a bit difficult to tell. But uh, he's, they say, the former playboy. Now he just doesn't do anything at all. Nothing at all. And so they're on holiday with us, as I say, a photographer, to get pictures in the paper. He's carrying a bit of weight, poor old Callum. But there again, you know, nobody ever said that was bad. Uh, I'll come back to Zayn Malik later. And I think we might have to come back to Prince Harry showing his caring side. Why do they have Prince Harry holding children all the time? Why is that, you know, caring so? Would that, you know, do you not think maybe comforting a dying old age pensioner in a home would be better than cuddling a child who's like, who is he? Prince Harry. What do he do? Has he got any food? You know, that's the, the, the kid looks slightly bewildered, but it's just a PR stunt. It's it's a it's a PR stunt to get Harry some some publicity in the in the papers. It's a bit it's a bit weak and feeble, to be honest with you. But the other story, I'm sh- I'm pretty. Oh, it is, it is. A double-page spread. Reality Telestar reveals her self, self-loathing at piling on pounds. OK, what, what does this say to you? Come on, you know what it says straight away. She's bringing out a DVD. Yes. But who is she? A reality Telestar. A reality tele. So somebody huge because they're a star. Chanel Hayes. Who? Chanel Hayes. Who? Who is she? No idea. I think, you know, years and years ago, she was, on the, she was on the television briefly and she went out with somebody called Ziggy Lickman and then that finished. And since then, I don't know what she does for a living. I wouldn't even like to hazard a guess. I've gutted. I'm gutted, she says, that I've let myself become a big wobbly jelly again. Well, never mind, dear. When you bring out the DVD, we all have a good old laugh at you, can't we? Good old laugh. I mean, who are you? Reveals her self-loathing at piling on the pounds. I have to be honest, I do feel a certain amount of loathing looking at the pictures of you. And so, she doesn't actually seem to do anything. I, I just don't know. Should I put on this weight because I'm so happy? Huh? She's put on the weight because she's so happy. And so here is... She, who is she? Has she got... Um, oh, she's a mum of one. The former Big Brother star. She was never a star. She was that dreary one whose mother was a hooker, if you remember. Do you remember that one? I remember her exactly. I just remembered. But apparently, uh, her boyfriend is called Josh Singleton. Josh looks about 15 years old. And um, he's, he's a bodybuilder. Oh, God. Worry about bodybuilders. You know what bodybuilders are like. They have strange tempers going on. This one looks like he could turn on a, on a sixpence. She says, uh, the problem is Josh is into bodybuilding and has been bulking up for four months. Oh, scary, scary story here, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, no doubt, I'm determined to go back to the weight I was for good. Or oh, don't. Don't worry, dear. Otherwise, nobody would know who you were. Yes, it is. We are, we are struggling slightly. I'd never get a gastric band. I'd hate the idea. Was it ever on the cards? I don't know. You sort of look at her and you think, and this is it for your life, is it? You're just, just an old woman who's sort of, you know, I'm gutted I've let myself become a big wobbly jelly again. Well, why would that be of any interest to anybody? Unless, as I say, there's a DVD, and I have a sneaking feeling there might be a DVD coming out, because people like that. There's a private eye uh, who lifts the lid on weeding out fellas who play away. How funny. Look, they've got a picture of, of, uh, of Chelsea captain Terry who cheated on his then-fiancé, Tony Poole, with somebody called Jane. Sven-Gorn Eriksson enjoyed dates with Jane behind uh, Nancy... D- oh, is this... Oh, so Jane is a... Uh, she's sort of the one she she dated, cheat Sven and Terry. Now I catch love rats for a living. I don't really know what I think about people like that. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, Sven was quite right to get rid of Nancy Delusional. 
I mean, she really was a big waste of space. And uh, and John Terry, they're an odd family, aren't they? Don't you think so? I think they're hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. I love the way that people pander to the Terrys. Not me, ladies and gentlemen. Not me. Sunday Mirror. Here's a picture of um, Ricky Wilson. No, no idea at all. It must be something like the Kaiser Chiefs. And One Direction. So, was I completely mistaken the other day? Did I see on... I remember reading on this programme that Zayn Malik has left One Direction because, and I quote, I want to live a normal life. So I thought, OK, great, he wants to live a normal life. Whatever a normal life is, I have no idea what for him would be a normal life. I mean, he's only 22. You'd think you were talking about somebody who'd been in the business about 500 years and was an expert at writing songs and all sorts of things like that. No, we're talking Zayn Malik. OK, one member of a little boy band who are very successful. But uh, he opted out because he wanted to live a normal life. Next thing is, we see him on the following day uh, going into a recording studio. He's still under contract to Psycho, because they are. Uh, Simon Cowell issues a statement saying, you know, it's, uh, it's probably best, but we will carry on as a foursome. And I think they've just offered, you know, and th- then the boys had to do a press conference to say, no, it's all fine, We're all get- we wish him the very best of luck. And then, lo and behold... And I only mention this because I actually got this the other day. It got sent to me. It was uh, an email, which was very nice, actually. I'm not, uh, I wasn't sort of knocking it at all. It was, it was a very nice email that came in. Wait a minute. I have to, I have to read it to you because I, I couldn't quite believe it myself. And it was to do with, um, to do with, with, with Zane, who had turned up at an event in London. And I thought, wait a minute, didn't he say to us that he was he was leaving One Direction because he wanted to be a normal 22-year-old? And I thought, oh, well, perhaps he's actually going to, you know, just sort of go and work in Tesco's or Stack Shelves or something like that. No, no, no. Zayn Malik was picking up an award at the Asian Award uh, things. And I think they had... Uh, Gok Wan there and everything else. And I forget what it was that he was actually picking up. Whatever it was, the award was, was quite staggering for somebody who was, a, who was a minor cog. In fact, somebody who was a very, very minor cog. But they, they ended up sending me pictures. And I mean, it was really quite nice, actually. I, I was very, very thrilled to get them because he's obviously very photogenic. But I couldn't quite understand why he turned up at this event. Having said he wanted to be a normal 22-year-old and having said... Uh, that, you know, he didn't... There were various girls who sold stories to the papers, which we're all aware of. Now, I'm not particularly bothered about that. That doesn't uh, bother me in the slightest. I understand that that goes with the territory. And I understand that people sort of understand how these things go on. But in his particular case, he turns up to this award with, with, with security. With secu- I thought he wanted to be a normal person. That's why I was, I was slightly disturbed by the fact that I thought, but surely he isn't being a normal person. He's, he's, being, he's still playing somebody who's terribly successful. Whereas, in fact, now he's left the group. The group are carrying on. They've got a big tour, which they've announced for next year. So it'll all be given. The, obviously, he, could, he couldn't cope. Obviously, it was one of those things uh, that he couldn't get. And he picks up... Wait a minute. I found the... Uh, come here, you stupid thing. He picks up an award. Uh, he does mention the, uh, the boys from one, one Direction. But he picks up something like... Um, you know, Lifetime Achievement Award for, for contribution to music or something. I thought, who are we talking about? Is this Barry Manilow? Zayn Malik? Surely some mistake. Surely some mistake. But they've sent me all the pictures of it. And, and he's got his, his award as well. So in other words, you know, have, he also thanked his One Direction band members. Do you not think it's their award? 
it surely can't be just for him. They're not just giving him an award because he's he's uh, an Asian contributor. Surely not. It, it it wouldn't be that incestuous, would it? The answer is, I think it was. 13 to... Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 7. I don't... I'll, I must check the weather for you uh, today because uh, I've now put my uh, slightly thicker shirt on because it was a bit chilly, a little bit chilly out there. Uh, Sonia says, I think that Piers Morgan and Nick Clegg have both slipped out of the same oil slick. Really? I mean, the trouble is, Piers has a, a look... And the look is black or grey trousers, uh, white shirt, always white shirt. You won't see him in anything else. And he's, he's perfected that look in the same way that you find that uh, Simon Cowell has got the same outfit on all the time. They just have lots and lots of shirts that have all got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday on there. And, uh, and it works very well. Terrible journey from east to west, says Bryn. I know just how much you must have suffered, especially needing so desperately to spend a penny. In my career between jobs, I had many frightening trips like that. I used to call them daft doables but in those days we needed the money <laughs> you mentioned greville janner and ernest saunders in the same sentence well you touched upon two deep acquaintances of mine from years ago greville was one of the finest after-dinner speakers on the circuit we had many discussions about his talents he wrote a number of how-to books on the subject we became good friends i just not read the press about the alleged troubles and dropped him a line i reminded him of our conversations about his father um, who was uh, Lord Barney Janner, and said that from Eastern Jewish immigrants into this country to have two members in the House of Lords was a great achievement. I'm sad, surprised and sorry about his uh, present dilemma. find it hard to accept. With the other gentleman, Ernest Saunders, I was doing a great deal of work for him, both for Guinness and for the family, and used to visit his home for other celebrations. I knew a great deal in the background of the Guinness affair, but kept my, uh, my counsel and my mouth shut. Interesting times. He said, Annie is still asleep, but I'm going to make her a cuppa and some cheese on toast. Cheese on toast. That's why we, we, we nearly had cheese on toast yesterday. Is there something appealing about cheese on toast? Is that lovely? Cheese on toast. You're all lying there in bed now going, I could, I could, do, uh, I could do cheese on toast. <laughs> I bet you could. I bet you could. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And... Um, uh, Mm, what's this one from? Wait a minute, lost it, lost it, lost it. Oh, Sean on Emmerdale. He says, why is it in Emmerdale? The women characters are all in low-paid employment, yet they've all got fancy hairdos, well-applied makeup, and fancy expensive designer clothes. Oh, d- don't forget the teeth. They've all got fancy... Even the Dingle family. You've never seen a family with such pearly whites. Seriously, it's, it's really... It's quite good, actually. It's quite good. And... Um, Steve at lbc.co.uk. This one from Millie, who says, Fancy Beckham advertising drinking whiskey. One guest asked his friend, his friend chuckled, Beckham looks more Campari or Cinzano man. Yes, it was the big game at Stamford Bridge where I live, sadly. not uh, Lots of guests did hear it, but uh, much more beer that the dinner was sold. Yes, I knew all about the dinner, actually, because I was looking at pictures earlier on of people who went to it. Uh, Paul says, uh, I actually emailed you on Friday about Saunders, which you must have missed it. He was uh, up over share irregularities and sentenced to five years, but let out after ten months. I was working for the retail division of Guinness at the time. Apparently now does plenty of public speaking stuff. An amazing resurgence. Was it not cynical? Moi? Says Paul. Yes, I thought that. He he was out because he was given five years and let out of prison after a a matter of months because of dementia. And now he's fully cured. I mean, this must be the miracle. I'm surprised that doctors are not banging on his door asking questions, asking questions. 
Uh, I never thought, says Malcolm, I'd see the day when somebody could out-talk you. That Kate Humble takes the biscuits. An interesting guest she turned out to be. You could have done a full hour with her, even though Sean Hughes was just as good. Yeah, they were really good this week. I think next week, are you going to like next week? I'm not going to tell you who it is just yet. Just yet. I'll, I'll, I'll save it for, for during the week. Uh, I did mention Katie Hopkins was on this morning at 10, didn't I? I'm looking forward to, actually, a little bit of badinage between uh, most of you phoning up to, uh, to question her. She won't, uh, she won't take any prisoners on it, I should imagine. It'll be very interesting. So uh, start, start thinking up if you can, you can outwit her. Uh, 84850. Uh, Dean says, I seem to recall reading some years ago that Jana said dementia was no bar to being prosecuted. Well, it would have to be, wouldn't it? When you think about it logically, what was the point of putting somebody on trial who, if it's to be believed, hasn't got the faintest idea what he's doing there or what people are talking to him about? It's, you know, so you, you, have, to th- you have to think about it in a, in, a, in a logical way. Frustrating, and that's a very mild word to use in, uh, in how it, it turns out, because it is. But there's lots of cases like that in the papers today. Uh, I did like the idea that... Christo was a little bit cynical about Danny Dyer taking a break from his Senate because he's exhausted. Nobody else is taking a break because they're not exhausted. So perhaps Danny Dyer's putting more into it than we're aware of. He hasn't... Um, I don't know why. You know, because they always... You see them pictured at parties and stuff like that. And you think, well, of course, if you didn't go to the party, then, then you could be absolutely fine. But they say he's taking a much-needed break after his exhausting filming schedule. What exhausting filming schedule? You go on there, you read a few words, and you go and sit down again. I don't quite understand why it's why they make such a big deal about. Oh, somebody on the television. I had a, I nearly had a knickerbocker glory the other day, but I had a, a pear thing. I think it was a pear thing with 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 um, with ice cream, which was quite delicious. But cheese on toast at the moment sounds very appealing. If anybody's having cheese on toast, try not to tell me too much about it. Uh, Britain's Got Talent's uh, karate kid, Jesse, who's nine, is already featured in loads of films. So, um, you know, they aren't the innocents that you think these people are. Piers Morgan, as I say, he might get his own show. As what? I don't know. How many more chat shows do you need on the television? The answer is you don't need any more. There are more than enough chat shows. They're all competing for uh, for small audience and, and the show that you know they, they're going Gemma Collins and that dreary nobody Bobby Cole Norris could get a chat show with apparently a gay comedian wasn't aware that such a thing existed actually apart from Amy Lame Lame and um, and so you you look at these people you think we don't want another chat show I mean I don't want another chat show I really don't I think there's more than enough I think we've got enough cookery programs I think we've got enough antique programs I think we've got enough moving house programs you know enough decorating programs I don't want any more of this come up with something new for us perhaps it could be sort of the Oasis brothers and here they are apparently they're considering a reunion oh how boring perhaps they need the money perhaps they need the money ever since they split and it was 2009 uh, they've hardly said a word to each other. Now, apparently, they're talking uh, with a view to getting back together again and going out on the road, which will be very exciting, won't it? But don't you feel that, that when bands split up like that, basically, they're sticking two fingers up to you? In the same way that Zayn Malik walked out of One Direction mid-tour. Exactly the same as Jerry Halliwell. She got a little bit of publicity, and then eventually people moved away, and they weren't that interested. 
And I think in the case of him, I think he's stuck two fingers up to the One Direction fans who bought into the band. They bought the record. That's why they've had to do damage limitation as fast as possible to make sure that it doesn't rebound on the rest of them. One person leaves the band. You remember, Spice Girls didn't last too long uh, after after Jerry Halliwell left. They went, oh, yeah, we're still going to carry on. And, of course, they didn't. They didn't. Trevor says, I'm sick to the back teeth of pictures which are flooding the internet out of Buck Palace of Harry holding babies and walking around the Australian bush trying to look butch. You know, if you've seen them, it actually looks like a rabbit caught in headlines, uh, headlights. Well, it's, they're, they're posed pictures. Somebody say, can you hold, hold this baby, Harry? OK, they would have taken hundreds of pictures and then they sit down and they decide which one to release to the media. That's how it works. That's called publicity. Why he needs publicity, I don't know. He's over 30. He's old enough and ugly enough to make up his own decision. But I suppose they're sort of saying, look, he's, he's really got that maternal instinct. You know, he really loves children. He's like his mum. And you think, he's single. He's over 30. Perhaps he could get together with Kelly Brook. The meeting of the minds. Top of the Pops could be coming back. Now, that wouldn't be a bad thing. The bad thing would be if they asked that dreary twosome, uh, Dream Cotton and uh, Dermato Dreary. They say they'd be the perfect... Uh, presenters, do you? Why? Why on earth would you think that people over the age of... I mean, I think Dreen Cotton is heading towards 40. And in fact, uh, Dermot O'Dreary is over 40. Way out of touch with music for young people. People who watch these pop shows are aged about 14. Why would they want two old people on there? Way too old for doing it. But that's, that's the BBC. They only have, you know, a certain stable of stars. They're either near death or they are dead, or they're sort of too old, but they still call them youth presenters. And I think that's the reason. Nowadays, they go, you know, if, if, if we bring the show back, we really want Dermot O'Dreary. Whereas, in fact, there was no mention of this the other week when Dermot O'Dreary said he was going to go to America and see if there was any jobs over there. And the answer is there aren't. There aren't any jobs over there. The reason there aren't, they've got loads of people. They don't want any more. Why would you want somebody else like Dermot O'Dreary when they've got people like Dermot O'Dreary? They park cars over there. Dermot, you know, if he can't get arrested in this country, that's a little bit... That's like sort of trying all the adult programmes and all of a sudden they go, um, have you thought about trying a children's programme? You go, oh dear, not even considered good enough for adult television. Um, Christo, I think, knows about this next story because I think if, if memory serves, uh, he might know about the scandal of the Christian preachers who want to cure gay people. And what they do, it's uh, their Christian counsellors say they aim to cure Britain's gays, despite experts branding their treatments potentially harmful. Well, it's fraudulent. There's no such thing as, let's cure a gay person. They're just, in fact, looking at the pictures of them, they all look slightly peculiar, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, there's one here, Dr Robert Gagnon, I think. A slightly sort of pretentious-looking person. And... Um, I just find it slightly odd. This is at the Emanuel Centre in Westminster. I don't even know where it is. But uh, everybody, I think even Barack Obama, has backed a campaign calling for a federal ban on this practice. Because they'll always get somebody who stands up and goes, I was gay and uh, now I'm straight. And uh, you think, uh, no, you're not. OK, you know, because you never were gay in the first place. It's just rubbish. And I think Christo went to one of the meetings and I think he found it really disturbing. I'm not at all surprised, actually. Conversion therapy. If you're gay, why on earth would you want to go to somewhere like this to learn how to be straight and even more dreary life? What's the point? Going, going from one dreary life to another. So now you don't fit into anything at all. Deeply disturbing people, ladies and gentlemen. Avoid like the plague, please. Uh, the Titanic chair. It did sell in auction. Did I buy it? 
Sadly, no. It went for a hundred thousand pounds, which is what we, which is what we thought. Actually, we thought it uh, it would go for something like that. Uh, the hippie crack for sale on Amazon. Uh, they found a person who ranted to uh, to a gay woman on Twitter. He's been arrested, ladies and gentlemen, and is in the process of being charged. Daniela Westbrook on holiday yet again. Should you not be back uh, joining the queue for maybe jobs, Daniela, or is your life so empty and vacuous? Of course, it is. On FM, online, on your mobile, and on digital radio. Leading Britain's conversation. This is LBC. This is LBC. Leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Sunday, the 19th of April, the £10 billion share bonanza. And uh, and you could buy into it with as little as, I think, was it uh, £250, up to about 10000 Hippie crack for sale on Amazon. These are these little capsules which they release into bo- uh, balloons and then they inhale it. There's another footballer in the paper today. Uh, what could have been stolen in the heist? I got as far as telling you about the heist and then I got sidetracked. Uh, They reckon that Premiership footballers had some sex tapes in there and they got stolen. Uh, Rick Mayle's family are facing a huge tax bill. Why? He failed to make a will. Now, I can only urge people, make a will. It makes it so much easier for everybody that comes after you. And the publicity shy Beckhams could buy Madonna's mansion. There's something about the Beckhams. Perhaps they're addicted to it. Perhaps the kids are addicted to having their picture taken. So they dress them up like little Lord Fauntleroy's and they go, look, here we are with America's happiest family. And then they leave there and then they come back here. They spend most of the time jetting backwards and forwards. What sort of education the kids get? I've got no idea. The scandal of the Christian preachers is in uh, one of the papers. The Sunday Mirror are running with it. And... uh, it's it's all a bit it's all a bit bizarre actually. Uh, they want to cure gay people. Uh, one likened homosexuality to incest, while another put it in the same bracket as paedophilia. Delegates paid twenty quid to hear a series of homophobic talks by professionally accredited accredited therapists from several Christian groups. Are they saying that you can't be gay and Christian? Because that, of course, is rubbish, as we know. We know lots of gay Christians. There are gay Christian groups all over the internet. Loads of them. Uh, one here, uh, this is Dr Robert uh, Gagnon. This is the one who wears the little bow tie. He's a rather peculiar-looking creature. You know, if he's out there sort of making, you know, fun of gay people, I think he, we have every right to poke fun at him. He says, what we're encountering in society now is nothing less totalitarian uh, thuggery under the guise of love. Lord, what an odd person he is. Perhaps he was dropped on the head as a child, I don't know. Two of the organisations, the Core Issues Trust and Christian Concern, are registered charities giving them tax breaks despite their controversial views. In January, 14 organisations, including the British Psychological Society and the NHS, endorsed the government's Memorandum of Understanding on Conversion Therapy. It said the practice was potentially damaging and agreed not to refer people conflicted about their sexuality for gay cures. Well, there is no... What is he saying? Something the matter with being gay. Do you think gay people want to hear that? No, no, no. If anything, perhaps we should put Dr Robert Gagnon under some sort of cure for his, uh, for his bizarre thoughts. What a strange-looking... By the way, Bowtie's darling went out years ago. OK? Lose it immediately. Don't want to look too stupid, do you? Uh, Ian says Danny Dyer, or should that be Dyer, appears on EastEnders with a face reminiscent of somebody undergoing... Uh, colonoscopy. 
All that grimacing and whispering has taken its toll. Well, he's exhausted. The boy's exhausted. He has to leave. He has to, uh, he has to go abroad on holiday. Oh, look, here's somebody who could go on holiday. It's two geeks together. It's poor old Katie Price. Still the worst dressed woman in the world. And, uh, and little Kieran. What does Kieran do? I don't think Kieran does anything, does he, really? And they went out um, alongside some stars of The Only Wears Essex. Perhaps they're their only friends now. Perhaps they don't have anybody else. Whereas Kieran's ex-girlfriends, I'm sure, would love to trek along. That'd be quite funny. But, I mean, she is the worst dressed woman I think I've ever seen. I think I've anybody seen somebody who dresses so badly. But there again, when she spends most of her time with her clothes off, what difference would it make? He's got no idea at all and just turns out to be the handbag but you know until she's bored with him which shouldn't be too long now uh, they'll just sort of wander out uh what's that a picture of is that somebody interesting oh it's somebody from man united i don't know anybody from man united uh cheryl cole and uh, apparently she's uh, she's pictured on her sofa she posted a shot. I don't know, in fact, how she managed to get it, because it's obviously been taken so that she's got full makeup on and everything else. Well, the, uh, the midget singer says uh, she's 31, recovering after a late one with her family, and needed a Saturday on the sofa to get over with it. But I don't know how she managed to take the picture. It's been taken professionally, and they release it. Look, she's taken a selfie, but of course it's not, as you can see. Oh, the good news is Jerry Halliwell will finally be off the market and climbing down off that shelf. Who's this? Rebecca Adlington? Oh, God, we're not still going on about her, are we? Oh, dear. So uh, she's uh, she's pregnant. Woman becomes pregnant. Why would that be of any interest to any of you listening? Carol Malone talking about um, uh, Anna Broom. You remember Anna Broom? She featured on this programme. This is the uh, the woman who hasn't worked for 14 years and she's too fat, but she wants a wedding. She wants a £10,000 loan to pay for a champagne wedding plus honeymoon in Mexico because it's her basic human right to be a bride. Yeah, but not an ugly one. I think you could be an attractive human, you know, bride. I say human bride. I'm not too sure she's human. And uh, the ungrateful madam says, I don't see why we should have to scrimp and save for a small wedding at a registry office. And Carol Malone says, no, I agree with you. Absolutely. And if she got off her fat backside and got a job, then she can have whatever kind of wedding she wants. However, if she does get that loan, and stranger things have happened, I will crash her wedding, I will eat her food, and I will drink her champagne. Why? Because I've paid for it. I tell you what, let's organise something. If she does actually get this thing, let's all fly out and go there. Let's all go there and just gate crash it and go and start eating the food. Go, I've paid for it. I want some of this food. You know, and if she says anything, push her face down in the cake. That'll be it. Mandy Bucket featured on this programme the other week. Now, you remember who Mandy Bucket is. This is the uh, the woman who thought she was entitled to sue after her son Thomas fell through the skylight of a school he was trying to break into. Uh, Thomas, now 21, and a group of mates broke into this college in Newcastle, tragically fell through the skylight onto a concrete floor and suffered life-changing head injuries. But Though she didn't point this out, but I, I can point it out for uh, for Carol, that the treatment he had was revolutionary and cost a small fortune. And she's so ungrateful, his mother, that she sues the council. And um, they say here, you know, she she wanted them to be sued for not making the building safe for burglars. <laughs> she, she seriously is that, that out to lunch. Uh, the court thought differently, as Carol pointed out, and has ordered her to make an interim cost payment of £150,000 to Caterham, sorry, to Staffordshire County Council, which could rise to 260000 And Carol says, but how silly of her to try and sue. 
I get that her son was horribly injured. I get how difficult it must have been to watch him go through what he did. And I understand she's desperate for somebody to blame, but there's only one person to blame here. Mandy might uh, now lose her home. And whilst I sincerely hope she doesn't, the lesson here is that not everything is about compensation. Sometimes people are the architects of their own destinies, as tragic as those destinies might turn out to be. That's exactly what we said. You know, I mean, how how rude not to even make a, a gesture to the NHS for saving her son's life. She then turns around to sue the council for not making the roof safe so that her son, the burglar, could break in and steal things. Hilarious. Hilarious. Anyway, she'll lose her house, probably, unless the, the council become extremely benevolent. I love it whenever we have uh, people who arrive in Harley Street, and there's one here called Dr Aaron Rollins, and um, he's had this eureka moment where he can remove fat cells from the body much quicker, less invasive and painful, apparently, as he's set up in Harley Street. Um, this is all the rage in America, and he's got loads of big-name people. The fact that we've never heard of him, of course, is neither here nor there. In Harley Street, you rent rooms. That's what it is. It's always been renting rooms, and people go in there, and you can do all sorts of things. I mean, I can go and buy equipment to do laser eye surgery. Seriously, you can do it, and I can set myself up. You don't need any qualifications. I just need to read the manual and to make sure that I'm not actually going to kill anybody. And you could get away with it for ages. People can operate as cosmetic surgeons. You don't need uh, any, you don't need to register yourself with anybody. You just become a cosmetic surgeon. And so I'm always dubious when they sort of say, oh, you know, I've got this amazing thing here and it will suck the fat out of your body and you're going to be all that much thinner. You're listening, Gemma Collins? Just thought I'd mention it, you know, just in, just in case she's up early this morning. I think it's unlikely. I think it's unlikely. Uh, 8 for 850. Steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, Steve, 28 years ago, my brother-in-law was gifted some gentleman's solid gold cufflinks and other items by his grandfather. This week he went to a dinner party and sat next to a lady who claimed to be a medium. Like you, uh, he told her it was rubbish. Thereupon she leant over and said, don't worry, your grandfather's not cross about the cufflinks. He was very shocked, having never met before. What do you think? Well, that's so easy. I mean, I'm, so, I'm an embarrassed Christian that you even bothered asking me. Nobody buys cufflinks nowadays. Nobody. So quite clearly they would have to come from a grandfather. And she would notice them because when you wear cufflinks, you have double cuffs. Hardly anybody wears double cuffs now, unless you're a bit pretentious. You know, not even the royal family wear, wear double cuffs. And so they do them and you pull them outside and you would look at them. And if they were if they were gold, solid gold cufflinks, I mean, any old Tom, Dick and Harry can tell you about solid gold. It's very easy. You just go, oh, look, solid gold cufflinks. They, they would have come from your grandfather. That would have been passed on. Simply, it's, it's cold reading. It's so simple. Honestly, it's embarrassing. I'm surprised you had to ask. I'm surprised you had to ask. I mean, I'm, I'm really awful. Uh, Steve, uh, unusual decision, that one. Normally the cases go the way the burglar, says Ollie. No, they don't. No, they don't. Absolutely not. Not in this case. You can't sue the council for, for people climbing about over their roofs. They had a history of people climbing in there. It certainly doesn't go the other way. No, 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 no. Definitely not. Uh, what else do we have this week? Um, I was trying to find a story, actually, that was uh, that was of, of interest. Andrea McLean is the guest columnist. My God, they trowel the makeup on her for her picture, and it's uh, it's sort of it's nothing special. She seems to plug her own friends. Talk about Colleen Nolan, who, to be honest with you, should really stay away from the television. 
It's it's really not helpful. It's all right on loose women where she doesn't. You just get the straightforward face on shot. Or if she's on with the other people, she loses her temper a little bit and she's a bit uh, so-called feisty, but she's not. She just stamps her foot and has a little, bit of a little bit of a tantrum. But then you see her away from that and you see her without all the hair and makeup on and you suddenly realise she's now looking the oldest out of the Nolans. Seven. Nick Ferrari at breakfast on LBC. Crown Prosecution Service announced that a fourth and final opportunity to bring charges against Jana will now not be pursued because of the severity of his dementia. I remind you, of course, Lord Jana's family deny all these allegations. Even if a defendant can't stand trial, uh, there can be a hearing of the facts without a determination of guilt uh, or otherwise. The number of drivers given penalty points for using mobile phones at the wheel fell by 24% last year. We don't have enough police out there, and the courses themselves don't be, seem to be stopping people reoffending as well. You simply cannot really multitask and take a complicated phone call, particularly a handheld complicated phone call, and still be in safe control of your vehicle. Nick Ferrari at breakfast. Back from 7 tomorrow morning only on LBC. He certainly is. It's 19 minutes past seven. Do you know, there's another picture in the paper today. The Beckhams have managed to get three separate pictures in the papers today. Their PR must be working overtime. A picture of David on his motorbike. Like, it could be anybody on a motorbike. But, you know, Dave likes to do the butch rough things when he's not posing in his pants. And, uh, and the Gallagher brothers, who seem to make all the pictures. But the Beckhams get three lots of pictures. One of the whole family sitting in a fashion show. One of... Uh, of uh, Brooklyn holding Harper 7 and one of Dave on his bike. I mean, it's, it's just hilarious, isn't it? That you think to yourself, you, you would think that they're here all the time, but they're not. They're in America for most of the time. And uh, Britain's Got Talent, Jessie, a real ace. This is the, uh, the sensation. They say she's a budding Hollywood star. She's nine. She's nine. And um, she did sword wielding. I mean, do you really think, you know, with the best will in the world, ladies and gentlemen, and much as I have huge admiration for Simon Cowell, I can't help thinking a nine-year-old wielding a sword is not going to appeal to the royal family who have to sit through the royal variety performance every year. I think they must draw lots. I think at Christmas time they all sit there and go, OK, now we're now going to draw short straws. The shortest straw will be going to the royal variety performance. And they all sit there and go, please, Granny, let it not be me, let it not be me, let it... Hooray, Charles is going. And Charles going, I don't want to go to that. I don't even like it. But I think, you know, it's, I've, I've sat through it. God. I mean, sometimes it is excruciatingly tedious because it does go on. And you, you have to remember they're making a television programme. So you're, you're just there to provide the claps, which I don't mind. I'm, I'm quite good at doing the, uh, doing the claps. Uh, how right you are. So Stephen Goer, my grandfather, gave me a set of beautiful 22-carat cufflinks that I rarely wear now. However, he did give me a diamond shirt button that I had made into my wedding ring 34 years ago. It's, I mean, nobody in their right mind is going to go out and buy cufflinks. So anybody sitting next to you is going, I'm a me- I mean, I've done this before. I've done this before. I, I've, I've said on air, I know, all right, I tell you what, take, take a pack of cards, OK? Take an imaginary pack of cards, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. All right, we'll go and get them from the sideboard. All right, go and get them. They're in there. They'll be under the napkin. There they are. Okay, take them out. Give them a shuffle. Okay. Now pick one card out at random. Which which card takes your fancy? You like that one? How many of you picked the seven of spades? Lots of people picked seven of spades. How many people picked jack of spades? Jack of clubs? You see, there'll be people going, well, how did he know that? Because that's what the majority of people pick. You think, I'll, I'll pick a card that will be... It's called cold reading. I know that there's a lady listening to me at the moment and she's she's in her hall 
It's got green carpet. The telephone's fixed, I think, on a little table. You see, there will be somebody like that out there. That was why Yuri Geller was always so successful. We actually did an experiment on LBC some years ago. We brought in a magician. We didn't tell anybody he was a magician. We just put him down as somebody who had the ability to make things work. Okay, And we did an experiment on LBC. We said, well, he's here in the studio. The first thing we're going to do is, if you've got any broken watches or equipment that has that ceased working, bring it to the radio. He will, he will reach out from the radio and he will make it work. We were inundated with people phoning up saying, my watch that hasn't worked for years and years now works. So you can imagine when Yuri Geller does it, and he does the whole country, he'll do a television programme. And, and you, you get them. we also did the drawing the cold, have you ever done the cold drawing thing where they go, OK, I want you to draw something. And people traditionally draw houses, houses, skyscrapers, ships, triangles, you know, pyramids, things like that. And so that, that's how it that's how it works. <laughs> right. Right. Bless him. Stig. Looking slightly nervous, I thought this morning. I wonder why. I wonder why. So that's what it is. So it's, you know, it's, it's very... There was a magician on the television the other day. Strangely, both the tricks that he did are um, are what's called packet tricks. In fact, one of them uh, is, is quite an old one. Well, I say quite old. It's old in terms of, of magical tricks. But at least he did well. So that was so that was good. Very difficult to sell magic on the telly because most people go, oh, magic. Whereas, in fact, if you watch good magic... Ask, next time you bump into Stephen Mulhern... Ask him to show you a, a, a magic trick. Steve Mulhern's brilliant. Seriously. Seriously. I mean, he's, he's actually... People forget about that. He has got a new magic show coming up, I think. But, no, he's, he's, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. Very, very clever person. Carol McGiffin's column today, talking about the... Uh, uh, Claire Balding she said, refreshing to hear somebody who's on television too much admitting they're on television too much. She says, um, it doesn't happen very often, does it, Philip Schofield? No, he's permanently on the television. Permanently on the television. And uh, what else do we have here? Oh, it's a picture of one of the Kardashians, but I'm so bored with the Kardashians. Again, it's Wales. Wales, that's not the uh, Wales, the country. It's Wales, and it's a man, a fisherman, who's going out there with a pole, a flimsy spear, and he's hunting a 36-foot whale. And he does it, and they end up, you know, getting this this whale. The uh, his goggles are made of bamboo. He can hold his breath for ages. It's a new series coming up on the television, and it's going to be shown in graphic detail. You're not going to want to watch it, but at the same time, you are going to want to watch it because you just feel immensely sorry for whales, don't you? They've not done anything wrong, and they're happily swimming around, minding their own business. And now man invades their space, and the next thing is they're dragged ashore, and they cut their fins off, and they do all sorts of things. Sometimes while they're still alive, it's horrendous. I said this the other week on the programme. I, I feel quite awful about it. Was this after Pippa Middleton? Yes, it was. Uh, was uh, admitted uh, to eating whale and saying how much she loved it. And everybody was going, what? Are you mad? The answer is, yes, quite clearly she is. Quite clearly she is. Uh, the Mail today exposed the world's top Holocaust deniers, filmed a secret race-hate rally. Uh, Harry and more released pictures. Sharpshooter Harry setting his sights on Civvy Street. Will William miss the birth to be with the Queen? Who knows? Who knows? We don't know. Uh, the Titanic chair that sells for a million. Uh, the Jana child abuse scandal, say the uh, Mail. Now May turns heat on DPP over botched case. And uh, this is, you know, th- there, there is a picture as well of Greville Jana out with, uh, with David Blaine. And uh, Paul Boateng. 
an odd combination at the best of times. Uh, also, now why did I save this bit here? I, oh, I saved this bit because Bruce Forsyth, Gugay, Gugay, yes, he said, I never enjoyed uh, Very Lonely, strictly, as much as people thought. Shows what a good actor he is. In an exclusive interview with Event Magazine, he reveals he found his nine-year stint very lonely because the format left no room for interaction between dances. And he's probably right, actually, and Bruce being a song and dance man, good game, good game, he, um, he would probably miss that. You've got to stick to a format. They don't have enough time uh, for somebody to ad-lib because they're trying to make a television programme. But then I always thought, you know, if, if you're going to book Bruce Forsyth, you know what you're going to get. I don't think he ever worked auto-cue, did he? Uh, Malcolm says, why does David Walliams give the diabolical acts on Britain's Got Talent a yes when they're absolute rubbish? I can only think it's to wind Simon up. I think sometimes he does it because he thinks he's being funny. Seriously, I, I, that's, what, that's what I firmly believe. I'm sure exactly, you know, the, uh, exactly the same. 84850, steve at Ed says, uh, it would be great to see the return of Top of the Pops. But agreeing with you profusely, that with fur and cotton it would be awful. It, uh, it is time that the cotton started to unravel and that better presenting talent was showcased. Yeah, to be honest with you, why do we need anybody doing it? You know, if you find Fern Cotton irritating, if they put her back on the television, she's going to be even more irritating. And Dermot O'Dreary was never much cop at doing things like that anyway. Why can't we just have a voiceover? Andy Peters, he could do it. He could do something like that, just do a voiceover. And here's Shawaddy Waddy or whatever. It makes it so much easier, doesn't it? I'm not sure if I'm really interested in Daniela Westbrook, who's pictured in the papers on holiday again. I'm assuming one of her very rich gay friends has probably paid for her. You'd thought that she'd be really interested, wouldn't you? I mean, pardon me for expressing an opinion on Daniela Westbrook, but I thought she'd have been interested in, in maybe looking for a job. You know, seeing as she moaned a short while ago, I've got to afford Christmas, I can't afford anything because I haven't got any money. I thought, well, perhaps she'd be interested in getting a job. No, lazy bag of bones that she is. She'd prefer to go on holiday yet again. Presumably she's got some little wheeze up her sleeve where she'll come up with something. But at the moment, I'm thinking, you know, for the sake of your children, yeah, would you, I mean, perhaps I'm living in another world. Perhaps I'm living in a world which is Daniela Westbrook-free, thank God. But shouldn't she be out there getting a job and do, and looking around, trying to find something that, that she can do? There's not a lot she can do, it's admitted. But she must be able to do something. She's got kids here. And here she is on holiday. I don't, don't quite understand it. Other stories in the, uh, the paper today. Why did I save this one? Why did I save this one here? Oh, Gary Middleton is, uh, yes, that part of that family. The family are going to boycott his 50th birthday. He's the, he's the black sheep. Black sheep of the family. And uh, here's little Petra Stunt. That's, uh, that's Petra Eccleston. She's the daughter of, uh, of Bernie. And she's given birth to twin boys, which is lovely. And so Petra Stunt was expecting... Uh, an impeccable source tells me the heiress uh, gave birth several days ago. The insider explained Petra welcomed not one, but two bouncing babies. You know, took everybody by surprise, even her sister Tamara. Everything looks a big surprise to Tamara, doesn't it, really? As she goes out on the town doing yet another non-event. But uh, Petra as well, Petra Stunt. Uh, she might have to move back into the £100 million, three-room mansion in Los Angeles that they sold recently. This was Aaron Spelling's house, wasn't it? I remember seeing the pictures of Aaron Spelling's house being built. It was huge. It was absolutely huge. Anyway, she then bought it. And then they sold it. 100 million. 123 rooms. Can you imagine? Fun days out at the uh, petting farm. Cosy nights in the pub. Was there ever a royal family like this? So inside the uh, the fortress Anma, 
And this is where they get it, because Mum, the Duchess of Cambridge, goes off to the local shops. They seem to lead a relatively normal life. Seems to be relatively normal, and I suppose that's the way they want it. Uh, Wills is going to be based at Cambridge Airport as part of his duties with the East Anglian Air Ambulance Service. They did a thing the other day. I felt a bit mean. They had a big poster up at Westfield, and it said the Air Ambulance saved 36 lives last year. Would you like to contribute? And I thought... Only 36 lives. It didn't, didn't seem very many to me. It didn't seem very many. We'll take a short break for the, uh, the news, because the time now is 7.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 27 minutes to 8. I think this building's haunted. Because uh, during the week, uh, one of our newsreaders, I, I don't want to mention Lindsay's name to you, because... Uh, oh, sorry. All I am. Anyway, and uh, so Lin- Lindsay Kinghorn, she said to me, she said, it's all very odd. She said, I keep hearing footsteps in the building. And of course, you know, you laughed at you. Ha 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 ha. Laugh it off, you know, because at that moment, there's only about three of us in the building and you're getting quite scared on this floor. And so I thought if I'm near the window, I'm fine because I don't think ghosts come in the window. Anyway, then the other day she had the television turns itself on and off. The volume goes up and down. So quite clearly, the spirits have found the controller and they're obviously doing it to wind her up. So anyway, so we had a little laugh, you know, at her expense, which was probably a bit mean of me, because with hindsight, I literally less than less than 35 minutes ago, walk out of here and I hear footsteps. And I look around and there's nobody. And so and I, so I then think, that's a bit strange. Where, and it's not like they're, they're muffled footsteps. I could hear them quite clearly. And you know me, I'm the world's biggest cynic. I don't believe in ghosts and ghoulies and spooks and spirits and all kind of things like that. I'm not even sure I believe in dead men walking. But I'm telling you, as I'm sitting here riding this bicycle, I heard those footsteps today. And those footsteps could have been anybody. And so, and so I then, so I go to the kitchen, I make a cup of coffee, and I'm thinking, well, there's only me in here, so of course, you know what you do, whenever you feel slightly scared, you start singing. La, la, let it go, let it go, the one with the wind and sky, let it go. And then I heard the footsteps again. Seriously, I heard the footsteps twice. As clear as, as a day, as clear as day, they weren't muffled, they weren't, they weren't coming from another floor, I heard foot, and I looked around, and there was nobody there. So I come back, so I say to the producer, I said, I've heard these footsteps. Well, she thinks I'm mad as a broomstick now. So she goes out there and she's standing in the kitchen, staring into nothing at all, you know. So now we've got everybody infected with this because, I mean, I'm not saying that there aren't ghosts. I don't, but I don't know. I can't, I couldn't categorically state that there are no, not ghosts. But I'd like to find out what building was in on this site in Leicester Square years ago. I know it used to be all formal gardens outside and people promenaded. And next door to us, there was a huge big theatre Huge big theatre. There's a big plaque on the on the bank at the very back, the Barclays Bank. It's got a blue plaque for the big theatre, which was lovely. But, I mean, there must have been houses here. You know, posh people lived here, and they might have died here. There might have been a murder here. Who knows? But no idea, have you? But still fascinating. Still fascinating. Uh, Noreen says, I hope that Neil and Lorraine are happy bunnies with Arsenal's result. Oh, he'll be, he'll be over the moon. Over the moon. She says, there used to be a man on Clive Bull's show, and he'd say to a caller, I see green. Caller, no, I can't think of anything green. Have you got any grass? Oh, yeah. Oh, dear. Graham something. Not jolly. <laughs> yes, I remember him as well. You're right, it was Graham. So I can't remember. He used to read people's... Was it? He was listening to their vibrations. And he was very, he was very good. He was actually very clever. Clive would have him on, and he'd say to this woman, "Oh, so and so, so, so. Oh, you, you need to get the, that curtain rail fixed." 
And Clive would say to her, does your curtain rail need fixing? And she'd go, yeah, it does. And you think, he, he was a bit he was a bit uncanny. That was quite good, actually, that one. I, I remember those from all those years ago. I do. I thought they were wonderful. Uh, 84850, Steve at uk. Steve thinks the whole world's gone food crazy, which actually I'm probably likely to agree with you. And uh, after those lurid accusations in America had dropped, uh, Prince Andrew has got an extraordinary new mission. What do you think Prince Andrew's new mission is? To save teenage sex slaves. I know. I thought it was bizarre. But uh, here it is. He says, I'm proud to help their products find a market. I thought we dropped him as some sort of ambassador. He just sort of wanders around on his own now, doesn't he, really? But the charity's name was the Duchess's idea. Oh, Lord above. Sarah Ferguson came up with an idea, ladies and gentlemen. Hold the front page. The Buckingham Palace said that the Prince remained very supportive of the project and used every opportunity, such as uh, pitch at Palace, to promote it. So that was this, apparently, um, because now uh, Beatrice, criticised for taking as many as nine holidays in the space of just a few months, has just got a job at a private equity firm in New York. Well, that won't last, will it? None of them do. And uh, Eugenie and Sarah both paid private visits to help support the charity. It's an odd one, isn't it, for Prince Andrew? Acting to save girls beaten, starved and forced into, uh, into prostitution. Teenage sex slaves. So there you go. Rue's been a busy boy. This is uh, Albert Roux, who's evidently just none of his charm. The legendary French chef has been whining and dining a series of glamorous blondes since divorcing his wife of eight years. Blimey, only eight years, ladies and gentlemen. Sources close to the restaurateur say so he's smitten with, uh, with one here, Natalia. She's a former cloakroom attendant. But uh, he's, he's obviously doing quite well. He's 79. He's dating the hatchet girl, who's 41. He's also Debbie the divorcee, Lynn the artist, and Lily the tea hostess. We're actually going off for afternoon tea this week. We've decided we would normally go to um, to Joe Allen's or something like that. But this week, I believe, we're sorting out in uh, uh, in uh, an afternoon tea in, in, a, in a, one of the hotels in London, which I'm really looking forward to. Haven't had an afternoon tea for a while. It's, it's a lovely thing. Uh, Brian from Q, no... And uh, Martin says, I caught myself doing a Queen of the Chaos laugh while you were talking of spooks. <laughs> I mean, it's I, I don't know, actually. I mean, I don't believe in it, but I find it quite, quite worrying that the producer takes my word for it and goes wandering off trying to hear footsteps. And then comes out. She did look slightly nervous, but there again, she knows the place where Prince Harry's holding on to children. She knows it very well. She was in that orphanage. She was that child abandoned at the age of 73. And Prince Harry came along and had a picture taken with her. Uh, Steve, I wear cufflinks and double cuff shirts every day for work. That's very pretentious. <laughs> 84850, uk. And uh, Ron says, we pay our taxes and buy Lloyds Bank for £20 billion. Then when it makes a profit, they sell it back to us. Now, you and I would end up in the, in the slammer dump for embezzlement. Are you not going to be bu- so you're not going to be buying any shares, are you? I think that's interesting. I think that's interesting. Uh, John in Harrow on the Hill doesn't like Anton Deck. Why can't they stay away until they host the actual live transmissions? They have to do their mugging to camera, don't they? They go, oh, standing ovation. But uh, they, are, they are part of the programme. You can't deny it. Uh, cheese and Marmite on toast, says Mick. Hmm. That sounds quite nice. That sounds quite nice. Apparently, these hippie crack capsules are like the sparklets bulbs of CO2. Yes, they are exactly the same, but they're doing... Um, but they're, they're ever so cheap. They're ever so, ever so cheap. What we need, Steve, 
is a quality chat show like Parkinson. The Jonathan Ross show is pathetic and sadly Graham Norton show is going the same way. Quality is what we need. Well, uh, the reason that Graham gets the best guests is because he's got the biggest audience. He has the biggest audience and that's why. The bigger the audience, the bigger the guests you get. So, you know, I get, I get big guests uh, because that's why the programme's got a big audience and it goes out twice and we're national. Because so, so, somebody said to me, you know, do you, um, you know, h- how do you decide how to approach these people? I said, we don't. They actually approach us. We don't, we don't approach anybody at all. I wait till they're on offer. Then I decide. With the help of the producer and a team of about five people. Uh, Martin says, on the subject of O'Dreary, heard him last night. I would have thought, what's the point? He's got nothing to say and he can't do a conversation. Well, I, th- I don't know whether or not that's why they've, uh, they've uh, dropped him. From Britain's Got Talent, but I suppose really, um, it's it's a case of, you know, they they have to change it, and so for some reason they wanted Ollie Murs and uh, poor old Caroline Flack. I wasn't I wasn't really sure whether or not they're fit for purpose. I mean, has she actually had experience of working with another 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 person? Will says for Ernest Saunders to be released from jail after ten months because of Alzheimer's, surely he must have had the condition at the trial. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm more I'm more more curious. More curious to discover the fact that, you know, he made a full recovery. I didn't know there was such a thing as a full recovery from Alzheimer's. I mean, I should imagine the scientists must be rubbing their heads going, well, how did that happen? How did that happen? And the answer is, you know, we don't know. You have to assume that somebody's telling the truth, don't you? But I'm, unfortunately, me being the total cynic in everything, I question everything now. Does it ever take anything at, at face value? The, the goring is very good for tea. It's the best, Steve. Thank you. And uh, Andrea and Rosalind tucked away in Fife. Lovely. Apparently the building you're in, says Jan, in Chertsey many years ago in the 70s, was the college for the distributive trades, retail college for John Lewis, Harrods, etc. A very old building. I went to college in there. Yeah, but what was it before that? Geoffrey Wembley was also there. Uh, but Geoffrey reckons that the uh, footsteps are the footsteps of an old, worried student. Was he murdered? Was he murdered in the building? If he was murdered, that would make sense, wouldn't it? But he's only just started walking the corridors. So he isn't... Do you think he's trying to cross into the, into the spirit world? Depends on, on how he was uh, killed. If indeed, I've just made up the killing bit, incidentally. We don't, we don't know anything about him. I'm just sort of making it up off the top of my head. Because he, he was a one-legged sailor who came back from Trinidad. And he was drunk the night he fell out of the window. And landed on his one good leg... And unfortunately, as he landed, somebody hit him and he spun round and screwed himself into the pavement. And it took quite a while to get him back out again. And uh, ever since then, so when he walks, he just does one foot click, one foot click, one foot click. And that's why. But you see, it's not him. Because I'm definitely hearing two feet. Unless he's had a shoe fitted. He might have had a shoe fitted. It's talking like this that got me drummed out the brownies. They decided they didn't want people like me in there. They, were, they wanted somebody with a brain. And they said, I'm sorry, Stephen, we, we don't want you. So, uh, so that was the end of that. 84850, the hills are definitely alive. Who says so? Sarah Turner. Every so often when they do travel pieces in the papers, they think, well, sh- shall we go and discover whether or not the film trail in Salzburg is as good? And the answer is, it is. The people of Salzburg, as you know, through doing programmes on The Sound of Music and interviewing Julie Andrews, and interviewing most of the cast of the film, uh, the people of Salzburg hated The Sound of Music. They hated it. Now, of course, they embrace every little bit of it. They welcome the publicity and the tourism that comes in and the cash as a result. So there is, and there are still, 
Sound of Music tours because people, all these years later, uh, cannot get enough of it. They cannot get enough of the Sound of Music and they want to go and see the places where they filmed. And you can do that. And if you're very lucky, you sometimes get some of the, uh, some of the cast. Um, a friend of mine, Kay, says um, Claridge's. Well, actually, we, we have another show. We, so we have another place, Kay. And I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll, I should get the, uh, the producer, Michael, to give you, a, give you a twinkle. OK. Give you a twinkle. Give you a tinkle. I'm sorry. Why would you want a twinkle? <laughs> Sounds like a biscuit, doesn't it? Somebody else says we've been hearing uh, footsteps in this building. You see, it's funny, that, isn't it? I mean, Eddie says, I don't believe, you know, but read the footsteps. I do believe in burglars. So, I mean... I think there's something there. I mean, I don't, I don't want to frighten anybody. But frankly, I don't want to be here tomorrow. Because sort of, sometimes I have sat there and all the lights have gone off. All the lights have gone out. And sometimes you see a ghostly shape who, who just melts into the wall behind me. This wall here is quite legendary for people melting through it. Ian Dale melts through it on a regular basis. It's worth watching. Sometimes he just falls against it and then just falls through the other side. And Christo, well, I mean, don't even get me starting on poor old Christo. I mean, a man who even looks as though he's come from another world. It's quarter to eight. Coming up at eight on LBC, Stig Abel. 10,000 people expected to congregate in London's Hyde Park today to protest in favour of legalisation ahead of National Weed Day. You bet it's a thing. Drugs policies featuring heavily in the 2015 manifesto. Lib Dems have called for drug reforms, while the Tories and Labour are against legislation. Is it now time, though, for cannabis to be legalised? Leading Britain's conversation, Stig Abel. This morning from eight on LBC. He'll be along with you in about uh, ten minutes' time. There was a, a piece uh, which appeared on YouTube. I'm not sure if it's on the LBC website. It's of a lady who's on a train, on a commuter train, in Australia, and uh, a woman starts abusing a Muslim family who is sitting on there. Uh, the ranter labelled the Muslim commuters ISIS terrorists. She brought up beheadings, a massacre, the Martin Place siege and all the rest of it. So this other lady called Stacey Eden stands up and goes, listen, if you've got nothing better to say, keep your big mouth shut. So uh, the woman says, um, you know, shut your mouth if you've got nothing to say. And then she stayed on the train. The woman starts back answering her, you know, what's it got to do with you? Mind your own business. And, um, and so this little pint size, little one woman thing sort of just decided that she'd had enough of listening to this, this old woman. And so what a lot of people do now is they, they record these things. And there's a picture of her. She might have been a drunk, I don't know. But either way... You know, she uh, she said to me, she said, it doesn't matter what they're doing, have some respect. If you've got nothing nice to say about somebody, don't say anything at all. The woman said, well, you know, whatever, but I think this is this and this and this. And so um, they, they, they argued all the way through. And then this lady, Stacey Eden, stayed on the train to make sure they got off the, you know, at the right place the other end. I don't think anybody deserves out of the train. Whether you, whether you like people or whether you don't like people, you know, it'd be like me starting a rant against the producer because she can't hear the footsteps that I can hear. You know, that would be a similar kind of thing, wouldn't it? But it's, no, everybody's nice to each other. Uh, Howard, you might be right on that one. I can't read out what he says, but it, you might be right on it. And uh, melting through walls, says Jeremy. It's a door. It's a door. Get over yourself. Yes, you're right, actually. It, it might be. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Another one from uh, Martin who says, my daughter and I were strolling in the cloisters at Hampton Court some years ago when a woman in period costume came walking towards us. She passed us, we turned around and she was gone. No obvious means of exit. Toilet. 
she disappeared into the toilets. That's where it is. They do have people who do wander around in uh, in period costume. <laughs> I quite like it actually. Eight four eight five O Steve at LBC dot co dot uk. Another one here, and this is from. Um, 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 I don't know who this is from, actually. Just somebody saying, I'm, I'm not sure I believe in, in ghosty, but you're making it sound believable. I think it sounds fairly believable. <laughs> sounds believable to me, actually. 11 holidays in nine months. This is Beatrice. And uh, she has done everything. I mean, to be honest with you, I think actually Prince Andrew and uh, dreary Sarah Ferguson and the two children... I think, uh, have learnt how to milk the system. I think they're the one... I seem to remember from years and years ago, though, that Prince Andrew, you know, when people sort of said, do we call you Andy? went, no, you call me Sir. And I remember thinking then, oh, dear, he doesn't have that common touch, does he? He doesn't have the common touch. And we like people who have the common touch. That's the whole idea. Apparently, Kaz says, Leicester Square was formerly the site of a lunatic asylum, part of the St Giles Field Hospital. So there could be any one of a number of lost souls wandering the corridors, couldn't there? Uh, George the Warburton's driver says, My wife Leah wants to remind you Dreary was on the X Factor, not Britain's Got Talent. I know, it's just that it seems that he was, doesn't it? Um, Blanche says, Somebody who has died wants to listen to you as well. Do you think that's what it is? Do you think it's somebody from the lunatic asylum? It could be, actually. It could be. And uh, a lot of people are telling me about the fact that it was a, a building... That uh, that people studied in, which I which I had heard before, and uh, your belief on ghosts are changing. Yet you find it hard to believe in mediums, uh, says Adrian. No, no, no. I believe in larges and extra larges. I've never believed anybody was ever a medium. He says I've had a good experience with a medium who told me stuff that nobody could have known. And I'm cynical. I remain quite impassive, but the details she spoke about nobody could have known except for people who had passed. You see, you're using the, the terminology, aren't you? People who have passed. I mean, dead. People who are dead. People who have shuffled off this mortal coil. They've not passed anywhere at all. Unless it's a bar. You don't pass anything like that. They're, they're, they're dead. And once you're dead, you've gone. As far as I'm concerned. I know because I've seen various members of my family who've died and they've certainly not come back. Not as far... Well, they might have done, but not in the form which I'm used to seeing. Front page of the Mail today. Boris, this is a battle for Britain. Johnson electrifies Tory campaign with a battle cry. He tells the Mail on Sunday, deranged Ed will take us back to the 70s. William might have to miss the birth of his child. The people today getting old is sad, but this time is mine, says Jane MacDonald. Uh, revealed as well in the people today, Britain's worst cosmetic surgery disasters. Um, and Dad stole our innocence, dementia, stolen our justice. Sisters tell victims come forward earlier. This is two women abused by their father, so they were denied justice because of his dementia. It's going to be the new excuse, isn't it? Dementia. Uh, fears for personal items taken in the raid. Premier Ace's sex tapes stolen in heist. And um, inside the paper today, they're, they're, they're still trying to sort of drum up some sort of... End. Oh, look, a picture of Alex Gerrard in a bikini. Could have been taken any time over the last five years. She doesn't actually do anything. And Hollyoaks star Kieran Richardson is planning one of Britain's biggest gay weddings. Oh, Lord. You, you so wish they wouldn't, don't you? Uh, the Sunday Express. Uh, here is Farage going to war over the left-wing slant of the debate audience. UKIP sets lawyers on biased BBC. Surely not. And child murder brings 6,000 protesters onto the streets. That was a little nine-year-old girl murdered by that Polish man who was heading to here. 
The uh, Sunday Mirror today. Labour speak English or don't come to the UK. Monstrous, the mum who's locked kids in the bedroom every night so she can live with a child abuser. And the social workers say it's OK. Front page of The Independent. Tesco boss slams Tory plan for EU poll. And uh, How to be funny. Tricks of the Trade by uh, uh, Josh Widdicombe, Susan Kalman, Ross Noble and Stuart Lee. How to be funny. What is the art of being funny? I don't know. Listen to this programme every day. It's very, very funny. Sometimes I make myself laugh. I've never heard any of it before. It's brilliant. Uh, all the uh, the wives of people campaigning are out and it's all just, you know, photo opportunities. Uh, the Tories promised public the chance to buy Lloyd shares in Tel Sid style's sell-off. Could raise about £2 billion, they say. Uh, the Sunday Times, Palace tells politicians to back off, which is an interesting one. Lord Chief, scrap over the Janna case. This one's not going to go away anytime soon, is it? Alison Saunders, the director of uh, public prosecutions, DPP, last night faced demands for a judge-led review of the decision-making that has spared Lord Janna child abuse charges and resulted in a string of failed prosecutions against journalists. It's costing too much money, all these cases. They go into court. It's easy now for people to go out there and say, this happened, that happened. So they waste time taking somebody in court. People's lives are ruined. And then in the end, they go, uh, that's OK. We're not going to proceed anymore with that. Now, I understand how the system works. But I think in the case of Greville Janner, they missed quite a number of opportunities. Um, 84850. Patricia says, why must you assume it's a man's footsteps? Oh, I, it's a man. It's definitely a man. If it, if it was a woman, it would be much more delicate. But this, it's definitely a man. Definitely a man. I could, I could just tell it's a man. I could probably even describe what he looked like if I put, if I put my mind to it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Sun on Sunday. Tornado. He was nothing. This is Kelly Brook telling you more about her love life. And, um, and inside, you get a, a free TV soap magazine. You get another Premier Ace doing hippie crack, we think, in a balloon. If he is, he'd be a little bit silly. Poor old Sam for his and her dreary book about how she hates Joey Essex. Must have been dreadful to have been dumped like that, actually, Sam. Because you've not managed to find anybody since, have you, really? So I suppose best you write the book and perhaps get on with your laughable modelling career. But then the, the other one who features in The Sun today is Chanel Hayes. We had to rack our brains to try and remember who she was. But uh, I'm assuming that Chanel, who's just piled on the pounds, as you do if you're bringing out a DVD, is bringing out a DVD. And no doubt by the time we get to next week, they'll be telling us all about it. In the TV uh, Daily Star Extra magazine, it's Michelle. I've said this story a million times, but I'll do it again for you. Keegan, who's very excited about the uh, the wedding. Well, we're all thrilled for you, dear. I'll be glad when it's over and done with and we, we can sort of get back to normal life. That's it for this morning. Thank you so much for your company. Actually, looking out the window, it doesn't look too bad out there. It looks nice and uh, nice and sunny. Might undo an extra button on the shirt, you know, just to sort of, I know. Way. It's great, isn't it, really? Yesterday was beautiful. Yesterday was really, really nice. So you can listen to LBC whenever and wherever and wherever you like by downloading the LBC app. If you missed any of today's show, there is the LBC podcast app. It's available on iPhones and now Android phones as well. So go to the LBC website to find out more. So that's that's really good news. Uh, at 10 o'clock this morning, it's... Um, now, who could it possibly be? It's Katie Hopkins. But coming up next, my very good friend, Stigate.